3: Taking it to a uh, do-it-yourself level.
1: And welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero Show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kay Wenigal and today I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Bucknell. Hello, Kay. Hello, listeners. And Michael Steindall.
3: G'day, everyone.
1: Today, we're focusing on electric vehicles again. BZE brought out the EV report in 2016 and at the EV Expo in Melbourne last February, nearly 50% of people surveyed said that they'd buy an electric vehicle within a year. Today, we're going to explore the EV options that are currently available with Bryce Gatton, the national newsletter editor for the Australian Electric Vehicle Association, AEVA, and he's been working in the electric sector, EV sector, for 10 years. In addition to science and education qualifications, Bryce is also a registered electrical contractor in Victoria and currently works part-time in Melbourne University School of Engineering as the EV safe work practice trainer and supervisor <laughs> for Melbourne University Racing EV Team. Hi, Bryce. Thanks for joining us.
0: Uh, hi, Kay. Hi, listeners. How are you going?
1: Good to have you with us. Oh, thank you. Now, Bryce, you currently own and drive two EVs, the Nissan Leaf for commuting and a converted Citroën van for electric and EV work. Yep, that's
0: right. Yes, yes. I have the the Nissan Leaf I've had for about three years now. Actually, I've been driving EVs for about five years now. My first one was I bought a second-hand uh, converted Blade Electron. I had been actually working on other people's EVs about five years before that, before I actually ended up with one myself. Although one of the other members of the team has been working with EVs for 10 years, still hasn't got an electric car. He's still waiting on his Tesla Model 3.
3: (laughs) Wait. 2020. (laughs) Mm, Easily. So the uptake
1: in Australia for EVs has been pretty slow until recently, I understand. Tell us a little bit about what's happening around the world with EVs and other low or zero emissions vehicles.
0: Uh, Yes, well, first of all, I should probably clarify that Definition EV is any sort of car that has an electric propulsion system. So they can comprise of a a, a plug in hybrid. So, used to those ones that have a petrol motor and you plug in to charge the batteries, they can be the hybrids that first came out. So, they basically use the battery to save the energy from braking, or you can have the the pure BEV, the battery electric vehicle, which are just a battery and electric motor, the simplest of the three.
1: So, they're the abbreviations, aren't they? BEV, FEV,
0: and HEV. Or a fuel... EV is the fourth, is that, that fourth. So can you explain those as well? So a fuel cell EV is actually an EV still, so they don't burn hydrogen. So a fuel cell actually is a hydrogen car, but they actually use hydrogen in a chemical reaction to produce electricity and drive an electric motor. So they're still an EV, but they basically refuel by... Um, like an LPG tank, they fill up with hydrogen rather than with LPG. So they have to produce... You have to produce the hydrogen from some source... Um, commonly water although they're actually talking about using brown coal and um, currently most of the hydrogen produced is from from gas
3: and the advantage of that is that um, twofold one is the refueling speed um, and the other is weight
0: yes and refueling speed electric cars are catching up very quickly now so the new standard for the combined charging system will be either 300 or 350 kilowatt charging which means they'll be able to charge in five to ten minutes or around 10 minutes uh, for around three to 500k range. So you could stop plug in your car to recharge, wander in for a coffee, back out if you're doing a long-range trip. Um, otherwise, all your charging would be done at home. So it's a different model for electric cars. You don't have to go to um, the petrol station in pyjamas, even if you didn't want to because you had to refuel. You can plug it in overnight and recharge. It'll be waiting there for you the next day. So the only time you'd actually be going to a station for an electric car would be for those long-range trips or those odd occasions you forgot Um, For an electric car, the weight isn't much of an issue um, for for carting around. It's more for trucking and what have you, that the batteries may be a weight issue. But the next generation of batteries are rumoured to be even half the weight of the current ones. So the recharging speed versus hydrogen's rapidly diminishing with the 350 kilowatt charging. The weight's significantly changing. Already, it wouldn't be an issue with a car. And it's certainly moving forward in terms of trucks with the next generation of batteries. So I think hydrogen's time may not yet come.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It will come, but I think it may be like electric cars were at the start of last century. They sort of bubbled along in the background for niche uses. And then some come, someone comes up with, either we come up with lots of free energy, um, fusion or lots of solar mm-hmm. in which case the, the excess or the wasted energy in creating the hydrogen doesn't matter mm-hmm. or there'll be some other application in which case the time will shine for a hydrogen car so I uh, occasionally finish off my presentations on electric cars with saying around 2080, 2090 a film will come out um, if anyone remembers the, the film Who Killed the Electric Car? I suspect they'll come out with the film Who Killed the Hydrogen Car
1: So Bryce, uh, which countries are leading the way in terms of supplying, and we, we all already know about Tesla obviously mm. But which countries and which models of cars, which manufacturers are actually working hard in the EV sphere?
0: Uh, the quiet or the dark horse or even the elephant in the room, literally the elephant in the room, is China because they oh. produce vastly more electric cars than anywhere else in the world. But it's all within the local market, so those cars don't meet our crash and safety requirements to, to escape China to come outside. So they, they bring in a few oddball models outside of China, but mostly um, that market, is that those cars are in China. What is interesting is that when they get to the critical mass of building lots of really good electric cars, if the other manufacturers around the world haven't got their act together by then, then, that's the term (laughs) I was looking for, Um, they will be swamped by the Chinese manufacturers. Mm. Because they Mm. have
3: well over 70 models, last I heard. Yes.
0: And it's it's not
1: just electric cars either.
0: No, it's trucks, buses, Mm. um, garbage disposal, garbage pickup vehicles, everything.
3: So and they China-
1: haven't
0: gone hydrogen at all? No, not at all. They, they they push electric.
3: So China at one end, arguably Australia at the other end. Um, what about in between? Who else is, is leading the way on this?
0: Uh, well, technology-wise, probably the Americans and Europeans. Um, so Tesla is certainly pushing the boundaries with their technologies. Um, the Tesla truck will be a very interesting when it comes out because the figures that they've quoted, the current technology doesn't make shouldn't be able to provide the sort of figures that they're quoting it's going to be capable of either in charging or in battery capacity so
1: tell us then about the other manufacturers that are bringing out trucks like daimler and mercedes yep Are they quite different specifications? Yes, they're
0: they're basically using the current specifications for batteries and motors. So they're they're well within the the technology's bounds now. So they're talking 400k ranges rather than 800 like Tesla. Mm -hmm. They're talking um, recharge speeds, basically the same as current ones, using the the higher capacity chargers of a 350 kilowatt charger. So looking at four hours for a full recharge, 400k range. Mm-hmm. So for your local delivery, even round town mm-hmm. type stuff, they'll take over all of that market very quickly because the economics of an electric truck versus a diesel truck are just and tilted then, way in favour of electric.
3: So there's a bunch of them coming soon. Katie you just mentioned Daimler, Mercedes, Volvo, Renault, that, yes. um, the SEA one. Oh, well, the local one, the Yes, yes, yes the SEA
0: with um, partnership with Isuzu uh, converting, um, was it 4 tonne, 10 tonne and potentially 14 tonne, Trucks, as well as a um, a van, a a small passenger van.
3: So why are we so retarded here in Australia with our electric uptake? Well,
0: one of the biggest pushes with electric cars overseas is government policy, be it emissions policy or um, so reducing your energy um, emissions or pollution emissions. So those two tend to drive uh, government requirements for uh, standards.
1: So so it's governments that care about the environment that. Drive the car industry, the EV industry.
0: Yes, it's it's oh. sort of where I was trying to head. Was a, the difficulty is the um, the government policies either be for fuel economy standards or for uh, fuel economy yep. standards or the um, emissions emissions, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and we just are not pushing emissions fuel fuel emission standards here are the worst in the Western world effectively, the OECD. That's catastrophic, isn't it? It has
1: been forever. And that means that actually our health is affected and our children's health is Hmm. affected. And it's still
0: languishing in in government. We have some really good standards of it just sitting there waiting to be adopted um, and it hasn't happened yet. That's the
3: thing that's been sitting on Josh Frydenberg's desk for a couple of years. That's the one, yes. (laughs) Okay.
2: So notwithstanding the lack of government policies, there's still consumers out there wanting to buy electric vehicles Mm. in Australia why Why isn't that consumer demand driving the market?
0: Uh, part of it is the manufacturers won't bring them in if they can see that we have low fuel economy standards, we have no particular emission standards as far as um, healthy air. Um, so i will just keep bringing in the dirtiest cars that they make overseas because we're just a good spot to, to send them as they can't sell them overseas anymore.
2: So well, is really? it a, a is dumping it? ground?
0: Yeah, we, we could become a dumping ground for ICE vehicles.
2: So is it just the fact that worldwide there's not an excess of electric vehicles, so they're going to easier markets first, even though there is demand here?
0: Yes. Norway, you've got... What, nearly 60% or more of sales now are electric EVs to over 26% are battery electric vehicles because um, that's government policy they push and you get $10,000 or more government subsidies, you get lots of discounts off your taxes and road charges there. So that really put strong government push, California has not quite as great a push but they are still doing the same sort of things. About six states in America are doing those sorts of pushes to promote EVs and EV, EV adoption and in terms of um, VW with their Dieselgate. Mia culpa. They actually put a thing called Electrify America. They've promised, I think, $2 billion in um, charging stations and education on EVs in America. Um, so they're actually pushing the adoption of EVs through that as well.
3: That's part of their settlement for for all the things they did wrong with the Fake yes. tests and so on, yeah.
1: But let's, let's be clear about this. V- VW wasn't the only organisation that was doing that. It was just that like they were the only ones that were caught. Yes. So essentially diesel technology is old technology. It's just not worth pursuing.
0: Yes. Uh, that would be about the best way to put it. Diesel always was a dirty technology. Absolutely. Um, it was good for long-range trucking, but it was never a good thing for round towns because of the particulates. Mm.
1: Mm. Well, the government also subsidised diesel fuel immensely, or does, here in Australia, but they always say that they won't subsidise EV in uptake because they don't believe in subsidising new technologies. I think those
3: subsidies are more for the mining and so on. I, I don't know—is it subsidised for the normal roundtown use?
0: Not—I'm not fully up to date with that, but I don't think mm-hmm. it is subsidised I, for general. I consumers. think the argument is that the but mining it's a diesel good. fuel rebate for farmers and mining. It's it's
1: up subs- yeah, yeah, it's a subsidy. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Yeah, um, Bryce, you have put together a what? why when guide which describes the evs currently available on australia and, and those to follow in the next year can you tell us what vehicles they are and, and pricing
0: uh currently you can buy effectively three pure electric vehicles which is your bmw i3 you can buy the tesla model x and the tesla model s and oh sorry actually it's five now i've just remembered the zoe Renault zoe sedan or actually hatchback and the kangoo, and the kangoo ze van are uh, your five battery electric vehicles you can buy within the next six to 12 months we should see the, the Hyundai Ioniq as last announced to be available here in Ioniq electric in November this year and the Kona is most likely to be coming here in February next year with any luck um, the new Nissan the 2018 Nissan should be about March hopefully next year so that's another three. Oh, I forgot the Jaguar I-Pace that's a very nice sounding mm-hmm. car. If you've yeah. got the hundred and thirty odd grand,
3: literally nice sounding. They're the ones that have got the, the sound effect of the V eight type of the, yeah. the, the gearbox. <laughs>
0: yeah. mm, and they've actually starting to take pre orders here now. So that's October this year.
1: Um, can we go back to the Hyundai models? What's the difference between the uh, Ionic, Ionic and the Kona?
0: The Ionic is a basically a hatchback type sedan. And the Kona is, well, I keep calling it an SUV, although there's lots of arguments on the forums whether it's an SUV, a wagon, or a hatchback. It's basically, it's roughly a similar size to the Zoe, which is a little hatchback. It's just that slightly buffier look of the SUV. Mm-hmm. but it's basically a flat floor um it may even has a really good range something around 450 kilometres. we'll have to
1: 470 yes, I think it is isn't it yes or well, yeah.
0: it depends on which test cycle you use. Oh it is <laughs> that's a long and involved we'll get story to that one um but the uh, so somewhere around 450 470 it has uh, fast charge dc as well as the three phase ac charging so you can do fast ac charging if you haven't got the dc available or home charging quite well done um, and it's got perhaps fingers crossed a towing a small towing capacity as well, certainly the i c e version does
1: really mm. what would what do you mean by small?
0: Uh, it would be maybe a half ton. We just don't know half
1: yet. Half ton. Oh, yeah, fair enough. So the Kangoo has some sort of towing capacity overseas, I believe. Yeah,
0: in England, it has a small towing capacity. I think it's about three four hundred kilograms. Here in Australia, they don't rate it for towing, so um, it, it's a bit of a shame. But theoretically, really. it can be towed. In theoretically, it can. It would be issues can't with insurance. T- I mean, can't insurance. T- yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, Theoretically, it can, although there would be issues with insurance unless you know, actually accept it. It has a tow rating overseas and therefore it should be able, able to do so here.
1: In terms of the pricing, I think the Zoe is the cheapest EV you can buy or is it the Nissan Leaf once it comes? Uh,
0: uh, in terms of ones you can buy now, the Zoe and the Kangoo would be the cheapest.
1: They are what, in the 40s?
0: L- very low 50s, around fifty fifty two. OK. The Ionic and the Kona are rumoured to be a bit less than that, and the Nissan Leaf is also rumoured to be a bit less than that, but pricing hasn't been set yet.
3: Bryce, there's a little while back there were some comments I can only describe as grossly mischievous by Liberal MP Craig Kelly on EV CO2 emissions. You subsequently calculated the ICE vehicle, that's internal combustion engine uh, vehicle emissions, against an EV using fossil fuel energy. What were your findings on that?
0: Uh, well, basically, I actually did that original calculation in 2012. Mm-hmm. and found, apart from one particular scenario in Victoria, so in one state, um, it was better in all states. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 20, So using yeah, 2017 just, figures... Sorry to
1: interrupt you there, Bryce. So why was it not th- that case in Victoria? Is it because we've got dirty brown coal?
0: Yes. Uh, I'll go through the details in a moment. I was okay. just, that was sort of the overall thing. And in 2017, it was still the same. In fact, it was significantly improved for some of the other states. And the reason for that why it's different to what Craig Kelly was saying, is he wasn't making apples for apples comparison. He was basically taking the sticker figures, which, as we know, on the windscreens, those numbers are fairly rubber numbers, um, useful for comparisons, but are not real figures. There's a government methodology and tables produced by the Department of Climate Change, basically used for carbon accounting purposes. If you use that for petrol and versus um, electricity and do it an apples for apples comparison... Um, then you can see a true comparison between the two. And that's what I used. So I do it mm-hmm. according to carbon accounting standards. And that's therefore come up with in anything from over 70% of emissions compared to IICE in New South Wales down to, it was about 7%, more,
1: oh, was 7%? In, in
0: Tasmania currently.
1: Oh, that's right, yeah. So it was just
0: amazing because well. they use hydro mainly mm-hmm. there. So it was actually an enormous difference in Tasmania. Even in all the other states, it was good to better good to significantly better. In Victoria, uh, that was both city and combined driving in all states. Mm -hmm. Except for Victoria, in the city driving, it was still better by about 18%. That's right. And combined was the only scenario where it wasn't, and it was about 5.6% worse. That's so Mm -hmm. long as you're not using, only using brown coal generation for that. Mm -hmm. If you're actually using your own solar PV or other systems, you can get rid of that 5.6% So we need to be
3: clear about that for listeners, that this is, if you just plug-in charge off the standard grid without making any provision for buying green power or using your own solar. But if you do that, you can actually go 100% emission-free.
0: Precisely, yes. Yep. So As I said, Craig Kelly's basically unfortunately, he was using those sticker figures for electricity and for petrol cars, which didn't account for all that. I don't
3: think there's any unfortunate about it. I think it's <laughs> just um, he had a point to make, and that was the way he could make it. Mm.
1: If you've just tuned in, we're talking to Bryce Gayton about electric vehicles and the current state of them here in Australia predominantly. Bryce, just a point to mention, uh, there are a lot of people that live in country Victoria and country Mm. Western Australia, you know, huge states. And how I I noticed that the new EVs that are coming out have got a range of at least 300 kilometres and obviously Teslas and the Jaguar, I think, are about 500 kilometres. The range is increasing very quickly, isn't it? Very much so. So that must make it a little Which is bit better. a big better. factor in
3: Australia, obviously.
0: Yes. Uh, in America, with the Teslas, um, you can pretty much drive anywhere in the Tesla because they have supercharging mm. networks all around the place. Here in Australia, if you've got a 300 to 500k range, well, you've now got some networks of EV charging going in. Queensland have put in what they call the world's longest EV charging network in, in a single state. In a single state. Uh, they, they do like it. From Brisbane to Yes. They just to happens yes. <laughs> they just happen to be a very large state so they could get away with that. Um, we, could, we could put them everywhere in Victoria. We still couldn't say that. Um, but still they have and we haven't. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, they have a very good network going in or already in because you get from Brisbane to Townsville and inland to Toowoomba. Um, and that's DC charging. And in West Australia, they have a similar network in the mm, southwest corner. Going down to
1: Margaret River from mm.
0: Perth. So, again, you could have at the moment with 150, 100, 150 kilowatt standard Charging um, half three half an hour on hours DC charge, you're on your way after 300k 300 500k range on the current cars. So for country areas, it's really not an issue unless you're driving very long distances all day. In which case, then you would need a Tesla. But soon that won't be the case with the, the fast charge networks going in. Apart from Victoria, which we don't yet have one.
1: Well, in Victoria, <coughs> excuse me, we spoke to Infrastructure Victoria last week. I think it was. And they, they're they currently investigating it. The Victorian government has asked mm. them to do that. And I know that, you know, I have an electric vehicle and I can go a lot of places around Victoria without any problems at all. And now I've also been told that the Tesla Owners Club is going to share all the Tesla charging stations. So that means that non-Tesla cars can use them, which is fantastic.
0: Mm. Well, they can share the AC charging. They can't mm. share the DC charging. No, that's
1: right. As well as that though, I think it's um, Jaguar that's announced that they're going to install 50 charging stations for their dealer network for Mm. their new ipace, and they're also talking to other manufacturers about putting in the infrastructure, uh, a common infrastructure for these vehicles. Yes,
0: so you've got the companies, you've got the governments promoting putting EV charging points in now. So one of the barriers to EV adoption is charging outside of your home network area. So that's rapidly falling down now.
1: Oh, totally. Mm. I'm noticing it on a week-to-week basis. Mm.
2: So in that area, is there any talk of some kind of standardisation of charging facilities?
0: Well, it's a couple of sides to that. One is AC side is pretty much standardised now. Right. There's a three-phase AC standard called the Menikey Standard, um, and that's being adopted throughout Australia for the AC charging. And so that replaces the earlier single-phase one that the Japanese were using which is what your and Leafs and IMEs have, which is the J1772. So they're changing. In Europe, they're actually changing the J1772s over to Menikis. So by 2020, all the J1772s will be gone. On mm-hmm. DC charging, in Australia, we've adopted a choice of two standards, which is either the Japanese CHAdeMO standard or the rest of the world, effectively, the combined charging system standard. So that That's will be CCS. CCS. So that would be your Menikis plug with two big, extra pins at the bottom, and that's called the CCS standard, and that's being rolled out in Australia. So CHAdeMO is pretty much restricted to Japanese cars, and effectively Nissan and Mitsubishi, and CCS is everybody else. So I suspect so is that that CCS... So that going to become
3: the standard in your opinion?
0: In my opinion, that, that will become the standard. Um, Japan, Japan will have difficulties maintaining CHAdeMO even within Japan itself, because there is another... Equivalent standard, the CCS one There's a sort of two parts of CCS. Um, CCS one will combine the Japanese AC plug, which is uh, they still use the J one seven seven two for mm-hmm. particular reasons with their network, as it do America. So CCS one is America and Japan only, so they're building the CCS one plugs which is the same standard as CCS2 that we have here but just a different AC plug which means that they'll become economies of scale will be enormous for CCS charging and even CCS1 which is in America will be a lot cheaper than CHAdeMO chargers that can be sold in Japan only effectively mm. so even Japan will have problems I suspect in the longer term even hanging on to the CHAdeMO standard although it does have some advantages it has a better communication standard for what's called vehicle to grid so in, in emergency times uh, CHAdeMO is a lot easier to plug a special box you can buy in Japan to provide power to your house or even to the grid and that's why they like it
1: Mm. Mm. and that's a good reason it's a very good
0: reason i can understand why they would like to hang on to it but i suspect it's like Betamax versus uh, vhs everybody took on vhs and a few people kept making beta so vhs ended up winning whether it was a better standard or not
1: is there a difference can you buy um adapters if you don't have the right plug
0: Some you can. With the Teslas, for instance, can buy an adapter from their DC charging system to CHAdeMO. So sometimes CHAdeMO do actually quote that Tesla is a CHAdeMO user, but Tesla is actually a core member of the CCS Mm -hmm. Alliance. So I'm not entirely certain that they're safe saying that Tesla is a CHAdeMO user, but you can buy adapters for that or for the AC plugs.
2: Bryce, I recently came very close to buying a secondhand Nissan Leaf. So I'm one of these people just kind of on the on the verge but haven't Mm -hmm. quite made the taken the plunge yet um and in the process i spent a lot of time trawling through user forums and on the whole users seemed really happy with the leaf Mm. Um, but one concern that was that came up a lot was about um, battery longevity and there seemed to be quite a bit of ambiguity about the costs and availability of replacement batteries and and proper care for batteries so that that opened a whole raft of questions for me so just what what are the general kind of expectations around battery degradation rates for evs what sort of life do you Um, expect
0: it's a good question and it's a little bit difficult to answer Um, i might refer people to an article i put in renew um, a couple of months or a couple of editions ago magazine. a magazine renew that had a general article about looking after batteries and sort of what's good and not so good charging protocols or charging etiquette part of that is the nissan batteries seem to have an aging issue much worse than anybody else um, or the older ones do they had a they changed the chemistry in 2015 to what they called the lizard chemistry which supposedly improved it a bit they had great issues with hot climate they were at twice the rate or more that so in arizona for instance in america they were degrading at twice the rate that there was expected um so they had had to replace some of the batteries within a couple of years they have supposedly addressed that with a difference in chemistry since then and the newer batteries hopefully will have a better but Nissan are sticking to an air-cooled system for their batteries whereas Tesla, Chevrolet pretty much everybody else uses a liquid cooled Mm. battery systems because the heat is the issue if you're fast charging in particular um, you create a lot of heat and the Nissan battery has difficulty in dissipating that. Even Mitsubishi, with their air-cooled batteries and the iMevs, um, the air conditioner automatically turns on if you turn on the diesel, plug it in for DC, and it directs the air, cold air through the battery, mm. which Nissan doesn't do.
2: And how about you know sort of technical and you know dealer or supplier support for for EVs? How how is that going in Australia with, uh, with the market being quite small? Not
0: well at the moment. The, the dealers I think are just a bit scared of them. They there's only a few dealers for nissan i know i was had mine serviced recently and i asked them about replacement batteries and they were quite coy about answering it uh, whereas in america you can buy a new battery for about five and a half thousand us in japan they're actually recycling old nissan leaf batteries um they're collecting them taking the good cells out of them reassembling them for about two and a half thousand us for a new battery so you can actually you know japan now get a Good second hand, guaranteed second hand battery to put into your old Innocent Leaf for about two and a half thousand US.
2: Fantastic. Mm, Terrific. How about, you know, I noticed in my research that obviously the batteries are dependent on the vehicle because they're all um, non standard shapes to Mm. fit the design of the vehicle. Is is there any possibility down the track of having kind of standard batteries that would be interchangeable between Uh, different models?
0: Manufacturers have great difficulty agreeing on anything standard, even. Basically, the only thing they agree on is the wheel, because it has to stay round. And even then, they're different profiles and everything else. So they're getting them to agree on a standard battery, I suspect, is impossible. Better Place tried that, and we know where they went. Mm. And they've now gone to a better place. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we've only got time for probably one more question, but life cycle emissions for fossil fuel vehicles is never really... Come up as a consideration, but given that emissions is you know a big significant thing driving the mm. EV transition, um, you know, it's it's become more of a thing. So BMW i3 of K's is built from the ground up. Most of it's recyclable, and production facilities are wind and hydro powered. Are other manufacturers taking this into consideration in the production?
0: Um, Tesla are trying to make it a zero-emission factory, so they're putting um, all solar cells over the top of their factory and long-term their electricity will be zero-emission. I believe Nissan are making theirs as heavily recyclable as the BMW. So certainly all manufacturers in all areas are looking at that sort of thing. Except
1: for fossil fuel vehicles. That's a take-home message here, it sounds Mm. like. Well, Bruce, we've just run out of time, so mm. thank you very much for a very informative discussion today.
0: Uh, thank you very much for the time. I've enjoyed it.
1: Where can our listeners find out more about these articles you refer to?
0: Uh, you can either look in Renew. There's at least two articles. ATA Renew. Through ATA Renew magazine. Also, there's a website called Renew Economy with a lot of EV-related news. And there's also a new website coming up related to New Economy called Driven, which will be up in the next few weeks.
1: And we um, talked to Sophie Vorath from Renew Economy, and so she's the one that's doing that, so that's great. Mm. Renew Economy and Renew. Yes, that's right. Thanks very much, Bruce Gaten. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions Think Tank, Beyond Zero Emissions, and is recorded in the studios at 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to bze.org.au and click on Podcasts. If you enjoy the program and can help to donate, go to the BZE website and click on the Donate button. Also, that's, you can go to the Facebook site as well. Thanks very much for listening and we look forward to seeing you again next week.
2: Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.